Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Now I usually kick these episodes off telling you what season we're in and what we're focusing on, but I got some big news for you which is going to kind of uh, take away some of that uh, complexity at the top of the episode. So I've been starting each of these episodes so far in 2020 telling you that it's season seven and we're focusing on the barbecue scene in Australia in season seven. Um, that's because I was going to be going to the United States in a couple of weeks for another tour of the US. So there was going to be a, a concurrent season eight, um, a US road trip part three. And unfortunately, that has fallen through, obviously, because of the coronavirus uh, trouble. So the NBBQA, the National Barbecue and Grilling Association, their annual conference that I was heading over there to be a presenter at, they've unfortunately, they've had to uh, to shelve it for 2020 and come back to it again in 2021. Um, personally, I completely understand, but I'm also heartbroken at the same time, um, if, if for no other reason than I just really, really need a holiday right now. But by the sounds of it, I think I might end up getting a holiday anyway, but uh, we'll see how much of a holiday it is and I'm having to take my old uh, Hapkido fighting sticks out of the cupboard just to go and try and get some cans of beans from the grocery store. That's going to be uh, some interesting times, I think, but let's not dwell on that too much. Coming up tonight, we are heading all the way up north to Cairns in far north Queensland. Now, to those listening from outside Australia, Cairns is at the foot of the Cape York Peninsula, which is a tropical rainforest. It covers 220,000 square kilometres at the very top of the country, and that is almost as big as the entire United Kingdom. Now, with over two metres of rainfall annually and a list of wildlife that actively tries to kill you, including crocodiles, sharks, snakes, spiders, jellyfish and ticks. It is one of Australia's truly wild areas. Now, you may be listening to this and thinking, why has Ben giving us this uh, this geography lesson? And that would be a very fair point. My point is, Australia is a very large place with very few people and Cairns is quite remote. And so our guest today is going to have a very interesting story about uh, about how he has got barbecue up and running in that part of the country that is literally a wild, wild part of the country and so far away from um, a lot of the main shipping lines and transport routes. So it's going to be a really fascinating episode. And of course, the guest is Drew White of Cairns Barbecue Company. Uh, He's been a friend of the show for a long time now. We've been catching up at Townsville Barbecue Competition and a few other places around. And uh, he even came out and met up with me for a beer when work sent me up there for a conference. Just happened to be in Cairns. Drew came out had a couple of beers with me on a school night, Naughty Drew, and uh, that's how we actually met for the first time. So he's a cool guy. He's done a lot for building the barbecue scene in that area. And today we're going to get into the story of it. So as I said, we're going to hear about his shop, the Cairns Barbecue Company, and how he how he got th- uh, that up and running. We're going to find out about um, how he is always at the forefront of barbecue events in far north Queensland. And I'm going to even quiz him about uh, how brave he was when he put his own personal competition kit up uh, for rent for teams wanting to fly in for the Townsville competition last June, which for him alone would have been a nine-hour return drive. And he was going to lend his gear out, rent his gear out to a fly-in, fly-out team. So that was that was pretty cool too. 
We're going to get into the nitty gritty of running that shop, as I said. We're going to briefly touch on the Cairns barbecue battle as well, because that's uh, that's still in everybody in the forefront of everybody's minds. And if that's not enough, we're going to close out the lesson with some tips and advice for cooking on Drew's personal favorite type of barbecue, the big green egg, which is going to be really fascinating for me because I actually don't own a ceramic barbecue and have never cooked on one. So he's going to be teaching me as much as he's going to be teaching you as well. So let's get stuck into it. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Drew White from Cairns Barbecue Company. Mate, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on board. I do apologise for the uh, technical problems we had earlier, but it, it does seem like we have a clear line now and it's all good to go. Yeah, we got, got that sorted. Don't know what was going on earlier, but we're, uh, we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're so far away and, the, uh, and Telstra just didn't want to play with me tonight. Yeah, possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, could be. Although, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Gold Coast and I swear some nights the internet just is woeful, woeful. Oh, it's, it can be woeful out here at times as well, so you're not alone. Yeah. So, mate, tell us about how you got into barbecue. Oh, somehow many years ago I was enjoying a beer on the, on the back patio with a mate and my wife was cursing while she was cleaning the oven inside. And um, my mate said, well, why don't you borrow a kettle? Because we, we love doing roasts and things, and that was what was making the oven dirty. And I, I borrowed a kettle off him and used it a couple of times, and the next week I bought one and just just grew from there. We just, um yeah, cook everything outside we can now. And did you go and buy that kettle brand new, or did you rescue it off the side of the road or off a gum tree? Oh, it was a $5 special at a garage sale. I worked him down from 10 down to 5 bucks. That was an absolute bargain. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And tell me, was it black or was it an exotic colour? Because that'll just top it right off. No, it was just black, unfortunately. So nothing special there. Oh, mate, even so, a $5 kettle. That's, you're laughing, absolutely laughing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's all you need to get going. You don't, barbecue doesn't have to be expensive. No, no, it, it absolutely doesn't. And my first charcoal barbecue as well actually was a Weber kettle. I, um, my wife and I bought our first house together and the people that moved out just left this old brown Weber down the back of the garden shed. And I didn't think much of it at the time. And it wasn't until I actually started to use it, fell in love with it and started to learn more about Weber kettles. I worked out that it's actually a 1984 uh, Weber kettle with all matching parts and numbers and everything. So it's actually worth quite a little bit of money and they just walked off and left it in the, in the garden shed. Have you still got it? I do. You do you still cook on it? Oh Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I like cooking on kettles. They're, they're simple. They're the most simple machine to cook on. So, Yeah, and the the knowledge base that's out there for them, the the fans of Weber kettles are just nuts about it. There's no shortage of information out there. Oh, there's no shortage of information out there at all. There's, there's, I mean, you can cook just about anything on a, on a kettle. So low and slow, hot and fast, anything in between, so... Yeah, yeah. My um my first barbecue competition I ever went in actually, I had that old brown Weber kettle and a little bullet smoker. That was my entry yeah, to competition barbecue. Yeah, my first competition was on my uh, my black kettle as well, so that was um yeah, that was my introduction. And so where did it go from there? Uh from there we just we cooked around home and I, I sort of might have collected a few kettles in that time and expanded the collection and cooked a bit more and and then once I started to actually search for products around cans, there was a, a very limited supply of rubs and sauces and smoking chunks and charcoal and uh, and that sort of thing. And so we decided that there's there's got to be an easier way. Two rubs from down south would be 
20 odd dollars each plus a bit of freight. So they became, became quite expensive Ouch. Uh, to get them in. So I thought, well, hang on. So I'd, I'd buy a box of them and you get a bit of a discount and sell them off to mates and that would help offset the cost. And I went, hang on, there's, there's something here. There's, you know, so we, uh, we started stocking a few more rubs and sauces and smoking chunks and charcoal and we ran it out of our garage. Um, just, just after hours and on the weekends when we were around, um, and then from there, after after about a year, we moved into a warehouse on Saturday morning only. Um, I borrowed a, a bit of warehouse space off Dad and just opened up the roller door and opened up some, just pulled some pallets out and off we went from there. And then nearly nine months ago, we decided to, we, we took the plunge and opened a shop full time. So it's uh, it's been small small steps all the way, but uh, it's it's been good so far. Mate, that's an absolutely fantastic story. That's about as grassroots as it gets in terms of startups. Absolutely. Absolutely. We started small in the garage and just, just slowly working our way up. So and now it's turned into what was a hobby to uh, to keep the oven clean has now turned into a full-time job. So, Mate, you're living the dream. So, yeah. So starting that small, um, what what benefits do you think that, that gave you in that process of building it up to a shop? Well, it just, just meant that we, uh, we didn't, you know, we – our first couple of orders were a few hundred dollars worth of bits and pieces. And we just, it wasn't a big investment. And it was just, you know, as a, as a start, it was a way for me to get cheap, cheap chunks and cheap rubs and things. Um, and then once I saw there was a bit of demand there and uh, the low and slow scene was starting to grow, um, then we just, just grew with it and just, just kept investing back in what we made of the business. We just kept investing back through it um, and just built it from there. Yeah. Beautiful. And so, was it just your your passion for barbecue that inspired you to start your own business, or have you always been a businessman? Are you a are you a serial entrepreneur who saw an opportunity, or were you a nine to fiver who was desperate to work for yourself? What was your sort of background coming into into this barbecue business? I was a I was a nine to fiver. Certainly haven't had I've never had my own business prior to this, and just uh, talked to the wife about it. And it's just kind of yeah, we we wanted to uh, to have something to call our own and to to grow and and manage ourselves and you know so, something to look back at and and plan ahead and and yeah. That's awesome. And what was that feeling like being able to walk into the office and tell your boss that you were done? Oh. <laughs> I'd worked at the workplace for five years, so it was actually quite difficult because we had quite a good workplace. But it was uh, when I walked out of there and knew that I had three weeks from the day I walked out of there to um, to when I opened the doors of the shop. And at that stage, nobody else, only, only a couple of select people knew. Um, it was a, it was a pretty good feeling. So pretty pretty nerve wracking, but definitely a good feeling. I'll bet, yeah. So were you the first, or are you still the first uh, dedicated low and slow barbecue shop up in Cairns? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Where we, we dedicate ourselves to low and slow. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's where we're at. And that's what we, that's what I love, love most of all. So, but we, you know, we won't turn down anybody. If you've got a gas grill and you want to, you want to cook some barbecue, we can certainly help. Oh yeah. There's absolutely ways around, uh, around, uh, doing low and slow in a, in a gas barbecue. You've got all your different smoker boxes, all those sorts of things and turn on one burner and leave the other two off and all sorts of different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. So, how have you seen the the scene change up in up in North Queensland? There, when I first started six or seven years ago, there there wasn't much of a scene. There was a couple of mates had had kettles, usually from most of them all from their fathers, and they just cooked, you know, the odd roast dinner and and some Christmas hams and things on them, and 
you know, now the, the amount of people, you only have to mention that you've got a barbecue shop or a smoker and, and it seems every man his dog's, dog's got one at the moment. So, yeah, it's certainly, uh, certainly growing a lot, especially in the last two years. It's really started to take off. And why do you think that is? Don't, don't know. It's just just one of those things. I think it's a it's a good thing to do. People have got time on their you know when, when they've got time on their hands, you can uh, you can fire up the smoker. And I find most of the blokes like to sit there and have a beer and you know not possibly not do all their home duties like they should be and little odd jobs around the house, but uh, they can cook some delicious food at the end of it. So. Oh, I'm sure they're all fantastic multitaskers. And while the uh, while the brisket's sitting there in the weather, they're running around mowing the lawn and putting out the laundry and all that sort of good stuff. Oh, of course, yes. That's uh, we all do that. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And so there's been um, some uh, some sort of key figures, some key key people have influenced your, your yourself included, who've sort of driven that that scene in in far north Queensland. Can you give us a bit of an idea of of who else is involved up there? Yeah. Look, um, Travis from TB Two Smokers. He's been fantastic. He is uh, just so passionate about barbecue in general and he's a great foil to to bounce ideas off and and to chat to things um and and he's really he's really keen to promote the region and promote barbecue up here as well um so he's he's been very good i met him oh probably two and a half years ago it was at the at port douglas had an aba comp uh i met him up there he was in the tent next to us so we've uh yeah our friendship has grown since then so yeah, he's a top guy. I, I met him at Townsville for the uh, in person for the first time. I think uh, like just last year. Yeah, Tra- Travis is great. Yeah, great, lovely guy. Tanya as well, who's his wife. That uh, they they run TB two. They're they're fantastic to deal with and and very passionate about food and barbecue, especially. So, yeah, definitely. Mate, I was absolutely gutted when I couldn't get up to that Port Douglas competition. Um, Tell me, what was it like? Because Port Douglas is one of my favourite places in the world. My wife and I went there for a holiday after living overseas for 12 months working in South Korea. And we came back and we were right, right, that's it. We're going somewhere tropical and we picked Port Douglas. There was an English language school up there for sale. We were going to try and buy it. And uh, we went up there and just fell in love with the place. So when there was a barbecue competition and then I wasn't able to get there, I was absolutely gutted. Tell me what that comp was like. That, that was my first comps. That was my introduction. So it was uh, about eight weeks prior to the event. I got a call up from from some other mates on a barbecue page. He said, hey, you want to come and cook some chicken in a comp? And I said, oh, yeah, well, yeah I can do that. Um, and away we went. Eight weeks worth of practice and uh, the, the location was beautiful. It was right on the waterfront, right next to a pub. Uh, who sponsored the event, uh, and it was great. It was it was a great introduction, and and everybody in barbecue was they were so welcoming. All the teams that travelled, so welcoming, and it just uh, yeah, that it just grew from there. I I want to do more comps. It's hard up here because of travel, um, being so far away from a lot of comps. But it's been good to have towns for them, uh, and then Cairns coming this year as well. So it is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm going to get into the Cairns barbecue battle with you in a in a couple of minutes. We're going to get into that. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, do you know what happened to the Port Douglas competitions? Why they sort of they announced that, that that more were coming and then it didn't happen? And do you know what happened there? No, I'm 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 just not 100 percent sure what happened there. Kind of a, a bit of interest peaked a bit there, and then they moved the date, and then it all went kind of quiet until we uh, we got the announcement last year that there'd be a Cairns Barbecue Classic in 2020 here. So, all right, is that still on the on the uh, calendar? Yeah, it's still on the calendar. Uh, July the fourth. Um, uh, Evan has been the, uh, the, the man behind that one, pushing that one. So it's great to see a, a competition oh. in, uh, in North Queensland. 
sorry, I'm just having a real vague moment. I I thought you meant that they were, that they'd announced another Port Douglas competition. Yes, of course, the Cairns Barbecue Battle on the on the fourth of July. Yes, yes, that's the uh, that's the big one coming, uh, not too far away. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. That's uh, what, what's that fifty k prize pool? Yeah, so yeah, about about twenty k for um, GC. So it's going to be um, there's some big teams coming. So it's going to be going to be a fantastic event. Yeah, 20K for GC is huge. I was talking to Wookie from Grillers in the Mist who took out a big prize at the Invitational in, I think, November. Yes. And uh, he was telling me when I was speaking to him that um, he's getting a custom trailer built now and that money's gone a long way to that. So I think that these comps with these big prizes, we're going to start seeing a, like a, a knock-on effect that the scene's going to get bigger and bigger. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that, that sort of money doesn't just, you know, that, that makes a whole team's year. That makes it easy for them to go to more events and go to events further away and compete more often. So it certainly um, will draw in the big names. So, I think just about every single big team from New South Wales and uh, Victoria, and I know some SA teams are going to be flying in and out as well. I think we're going to see basically the, the top 15 of each the of the ABA and the KCBS ladder are going to come have a crack. Absolutely. You'd be mad not to. Come oh. for a holiday in Cairns and uh, cook some barbecue and, and give it a crack at a, a, a big prize pool. Well, first of all, so, uh, winter in Cairns is like summer everywhere else. So That's Thongs and shorts weather in winter in Cairns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's no raincoats and umbrellas. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. So what sort of... What does a big, comp, a big competition like that bring to the town? Like what... What's the wider implications for the for the city of Cairns of that competition? I think just making making barbecue, uh, getting more people exposed to barbecue and and this style of barbecue, you know, more more low and slow style. Most people have a gas barbecue and they're you know they they know how to operate that, but low and slow is a, a completely different thing. And coming along and seeing that and just getting more exposure will be fantastic for for barbecue in far north Queensland. Yeah, the the growth in the scene is going to be huge. Do you think that it's going to bring, um, like, for example, a lot of tourist dollars and, and and all that to the wider market? Well, there's, I mean, the, the guys that are coming up here, some of them are flying in, fly out. There's plenty of them driving up here, so they're going to spend spend money around town at the same time. And it certainly it gives plenty of exposure to Cairns because, you know, the the event run well will uh, will only help barbecue, will only help Cairns. It's it's good for everybody. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just two weeks after Townsville as well, which. Unfortunately, they have just uh, sent out the email so we can talk about it. Um, yes. Unfortunately, Townsville has been pulled, but it was going to look like an absolutely fantastic road trip for two weeks to go on a barbecue road trip up through Townsville and then Cairns. Absolutely. And the Townsville comp last year was a, a fantastically run event. Um, great to be at. And the location was was second to none. It was a sensational location. So it's, uh, it's a pity that one's been cancelled at this stage, but I'm sure they'll be bigger and better back bigger and better uh, in 2021. Yeah, well, I think everyone's having to uh, having to make those adjustments at the moment for all these different events. Um, as I said at the top of the show, the NBBQA conference has been cancelled. So I'm, I'm now in the process of cancelling international flights, hotels, renter cars, all this sort of stuff. And um, I, it's completely off topic now, but I'm just going to tip my hat to Qantas because in the travel insurance, it's very specifically has a clause in there that says we do not cover pandemics. Yes. It actually specifically says it. So I was like screwed. I, I, I was had it. I, I was going to lose this five and a half grand worth of uh, airplane tickets. 
and Qantas has stepped up and they've said, no, look, we'll give everybody uh, 12 months credit. Yep. Oh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic of them, isn't it? Absolutely staggering because they don't have to do that. No, I mean it's un- it's unprecedented what's going on at the moment. So um, it is, and it's good to see them see them doing that. So, mm. so I I guess then we can sort of ad- um, address the elephant in the room, and we can basically say, look, there's a very good chance that cans may get cancelled as well. I hope it doesn't. I really want it to go ahead, but I also want everybody to be safe as well. So, what do you think is going to be the fallout if that does get cancelled? I, I'm I'm still planning on it going ahead uh, until we hear differently, um, because there's uh, there's a, there's a lot at stake for lots of people. I mean, there's a lot of organising goes into an event like this, especially one this big. Um, and you know, I just uh, you know, if they've if they've got to postpone it for a year, that's that's what it is to make sure everyone's safe. And you know, we're all here next year to compete again. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. And I, I it's it sounds a bit sort of dark to say, but. You, you summed it up perfectly when you said make sure we're all still here next year. I mean, that's that's kind of what it comes down to as as dark as that is. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, you know, we, we want everybody to be safe and happy and, and well and, yeah, keep, keep the barbecue scene cruising in North Queensland. So we hope it goes ahead, but if it doesn't, uh, then, you know, I'm sure we'll be back bigger and better the, the following year. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. All righty, Drew. So let's, uh, let's wind it back to, the, to your shop here for a bit of a moment. Tell us about the shop. What do you stock? We stock everything you need for a barbecue. So you can walk into the shop and you can buy a, a smoker. You can buy – we stock big green eggs and hark smokers, um, GMGs, Napoleons, uh, and some other uh, Pro-Qs. Uh, some other bits and pieces there. Um, and you, so you can buy a smoker. You can buy all the fuels you need, charcoal pellets, split timber, everything. We've got all the accessories. We've got rubs, sauces, smoking chunks, um, even down to we have low and slow cuts of meat in a fridge down the back. So you can walk in and buy absolutely everything you need to make your next barbecue a hit amongst your mates. So you actually sell the meat there as well? Absolutely. We sell a, a range of low and slow cuts like brisket and short ribs, pork collars. And then we, um, then from time to time, we get pork ribs, we get just some steaks, burgers, all that sort of stuff as well. Um, just a limited range, but it's, um, yeah, just, just gives people an option and means that they can come in and get everything in one place. Mate, I love that so much. And how are your, your supply chains at the moment? Supply chains are, are okay at the moment. There's, um, there's going to be some holdups, I think, sooner rather than later on some of the stuff that uh, comes out of China. Um, because a lot of those factories still haven't started back up. But most of my stuff, all my smoking timbers, my meat, um, all, and most of the rubs and sauces come out of uh, either Australia or out of the US. So at the moment, those supply chains are, are, are mostly good. Um, but time will tell, I think. So. Right. Yeah, because I, I was just curious, because I went down to the store the other day, not, not your store, obviously, the local store here on the Gold Coast, and uh, they were out of meat. There was no meat. Uh, it was a grocery store. There was no meat in the grocery store and they were trying to blame it on supply chains. And I think people have just come in and just gone nuts grabbing everything. I spoke to my uh, my supplier of meat, which comes out of Brisbane, um, a, a place down there, and they have they have no issues. They, they do all their own beef. Um, so there's no issues with supply of beef. Pork's getting a little bit thin on the ground. Um, but beef, which is the bulk of my stuff, is uh, it's, it's fine. No issues with supply whatsoever for me, so... 
mate, I'm very happy to hear that. Now, you did mention before that you stock Napoleon, which is kind of a rare brand here, and I know that they're from Canada. Do you yes. do you stock um, like the the whole range of Napoleons? Which ones do they do you bring in? Because they're more synonymous with gas barbecues. Yeah, I've, I've got their. They've got a range of kettles, um, three different models in the lineup, so I stock those. Um, so that I, you know, because they're they're a cheaper option. You know, they start at three hundred and fifty odd for a for a kettle. So that's an option that you know most people can afford if they want to get started. Um, so I stock their range of kettles, and I stock uh, a couple of their different grills, which are dual fuel grills. They actually run on charcoal or gas. Um, so you can actually uh, just grill with gas or you can use charcoal and just sear over charcoal and, and cook over charcoal at the same time. It's funny you mentioned that particular one. I actually have one of them in the backyard. Do you? you like it, it? it is the business. Yes. It's it's just a great way for people who don't just want to have that that taste of charcoal. Oh yeah, yeah. The the charcoal basket um sort of drops down in over the burners and you use the burners to light the charcoal and then turn off the burners and you've yep. got a charcoal grill. Absolutely. It makes life easy if you just want to, you know, some steaks over, nothing beats steaks over charcoal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, or anything over charcoal for that matter. But, mm. um, yeah, no, they're, they're a great little unit and, yeah. Yeah, mine mine even has the uh, the infrared burner on the, the right-hand burner is an infrared burner. And yes. it is phenomenal. It gets to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit in about 30 seconds. Yeah, they're, 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 they're very, very hot very quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. Yeah. Now, those, those – um. Napoleon kettles, how do they sort of stack up against the, the, the classic Weber kettle that we were talking about before? Yeah, the, the, the Napoleons are a great kettle. There's, there's some differences between them and the way they set up and stuff like that. But, you know, overall, they're, they're, they're somewhat similar. Um, to, to most people, they're, they're very similar, but there's a few little minor differences with the, the placement of the air vents on the bottom and the, the way the ash collects and things like that. Um, but they, they all do a very similar job. They're a great little cooker that'll cook most things that people need to do in the backyard. The photos that I've seen of them, they they seem to kind of be similar to a one-touch gold in terms of the ash collection on the bottom. And do they actually have a have a like a factory hinge on the lid? Uh, the the two upper models have a factory hinge on the lid, um, but all the models with the ash collection in the bottom, the bucket on the bottom actually adjusts when you adjust the bucket around it, that's how you adjust the air vents in them. So they don't have a, a, an ash sweeper system like the Weber's, um, but they do have – the, the ash just falls into the base there and then you adjust the air vents with the bottom bucket. Oh, interesting. Just a different way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. I, I do like the sound of that. And the the idea of a, of a kettle barbecue coming with a factory lid is a great idea because I used to get into so much trouble because I would uh, – I'd cook my uh, – on my Weber kettle out on the grass and I'd lift the lid off and put the lid down on the grass to, to get to the food, to do what I want to do to the food. And I wake up the next morning and I've burnt or like I've killed off the grass in a perfect circle wherever I've put the lid down. It's that or the lid. If you hang the lid off the edge of the kettle, I knock them off all the time. Oh, and, and you chip the enamel and you say bad words and the kids hear them and the kids start saying the bad words and then you get in trouble with the missus and it just goes it's, on. It's, 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 yes, it's uh, yeah, it goes on. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell me about what what day to day life is like running Cairns Barbecue Company. It's great. I get uh, it, my customers are, are great. They they love it, and I've got a, I believe I've got a great enthusiasm for for barbecue, and um, yeah, it's 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 great fun being in there. I love talking barbecue. So, and you know what? There's a meat, there's a fridge full of meat down the back, and there's barbecues out the front. So, 
you know, a couple of times a week, a steak might slip out of the fridge and onto a grill out the front, and nothing beats a quick, quick, hot, fast steak out uh, for lunch. I've seen some of your uh, your sneaky midweek lunch cooks there. Very nice. Yes, <laughs> it makes it hard some days. You can't think of what you're having for lunch. You know, there's a T-bone there. I might just have that. Oh, just. I might just have that. <laughs> Beautiful. So is it is it one of those businesses that you're like you, you wake up at four in the morning and you're there at 5.30 and you're leaving at seven o'clock at night? Is it um, is it like a nice relaxed business to, to, to operate? Like what sort of... No, it's nice and relaxed. We um, we open at nine in the morning and that gives me time to, to get the kids ready for school and for daycare and get them to school and daycare with the wife. And then uh, we close just after five, so we capture some of the traffic coming out of the city so people finish at five will, will catch us. And then I'm home before six, so it's, uh, yeah, no, it's not not long hours at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's good. Mate, that sounds like you've absolutely nailed the work-life balance. So... What do you think has been the biggest challenge that you've faced in setting up Cairns Barbecue Company? Oh, probably just getting out, getting our name out there more than anything. You know, we're a small business on a, you know, we're working off a small budget and just trying to trying to get the name out there through word of mouth and just um, and just just spreading the love around and seeing, you know, just letting people know about us. We still get new people rolling in the door every single day that have heard from us from mates or see the signs out the front or have driven past us for the last however long and, and drop in. So it's probably that and, and freight as well. We're, we're a long way from anywhere. Um, some of my freight comes out of Brisbane and that's uh, three days. Uh, some of it comes out of Sydney, that's five to seven and Melbourne's up to 10. So um, that, that makes life difficult as well. It's stock control is, uh, is very important. You don't want to run out of something and have to uh, get it freighted from Melbourne in a hurry. I was going to say, you'd have to really be on top of your stock forecasting to avoid that, that two-week gap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got to got to be forecast well ahead, and then you get the odd person comes in and buys out half your stock, and you sort of look and go, oh, "All right, another order coming from Melbourne." Yeah. Now, I I found that really interesting that that you just mentioned that your that the biggest sort of solutions that you found to getting your name out there has been the traditional approach. You mentioned um, the the person to person recommendations, the signs out the front of the shop, so. Do you find that the traditional marketing methods are working for you better than like the the, the current trend of social media? Oh no, we 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 still use social media, um, but you know, word of mouth is a, a very powerful thing. You get good service somewhere, you're going to tell everybody. By the same token, you get bad service somewhere, you're going to tell everybody. So yeah, we just we just aim to provide really nice service and and good products and advice, and and that'll uh, that kind of takes care of itself. But certainly, social media is a is a big one and I'm still learning social media. There's a lot to learn on there. There's uh, I'm starting to learn some of the little tricks on there, but it's, it's going to take a while to, to really nail that one. Oh yeah. And the, the rules can change from, from day to day on, on the whim of the CEO of the, of the platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Keeps us all on our toes. Yes, it certainly does. Do you think that that person to person recommendation for your marketing, do you think that that's really sort of worked so well for you because sort of Cairns is a is a close-knit, smaller community? Yeah, I think so. You know, nothing's too far away in Cairns. Um, so that kind of, you know, keeps not a village feel, but it's certainly a smaller and more intimate place than if you go to a much bigger city where it's people might have to travel for an hour and a half or two hours to go and find a shop. Um, so in Cairns, it's, you know, it's pretty easy to get around. There's not <laughs> there's not a lot of up here. There's, there's plenty, but there's not a lot. Yeah, I, I did notice that the um, it, it, it felt like a, like a big – 
small country town, if that makes sense, when I was up there. Geez, I think that was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably 18 months, two years ago, something like that. Yeah, it was a yeah, while. Yeah, right. I, I just remember the the cabbie picking me up from the airport and driving me into the into the middle of the city and I was like, oh, this feels really familiar. Like I grew up in a in a small country town like this, but I'm, like it's a big, small country town. Yeah, it's uh, it's changed a lot. It is. It, I find it to be a big, small country, uh, a small a, a country town, yes. Sorry. That's <laughs> all good, mate. It's all good. <laughs> so what do you think has been your biggest success then? Just getting people to, to learn about low and slow and, and enjoy barbecue and what else they can do apart from, you know, rolling some snags around and, and flipping some steaks on the barbecue. There's a lot more to it. So, And sort of opening them up to the to the world of creativity. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've just started some uh, some barbecue classes as well. Oh, um, so nice! Gonna, yeah, we've we've started them in conjunction with a with a local venue. So we've um, so we're running them on their premises. Um, they've got a they've got a big offset smoker down there, and um, yeah, it's been we've we ran our first class, and our second one's coming up in uh, another week and a half. So that'll be good. We've uh, we we well oversold. We wanted twenty people, and we had we had more people ring up on the day trying to get in, and we've already got quite a few booked for the second class. So it's going to be great. Oh mate, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. Just just get the word out there and and show some people some good barbecue food and uh, hopefully convince them that uh, yeah to get into it. So, what do you uh, like to teach in your classes? Oh, we just just going through some of the basics, um, just showing them how you know there's nothing to be worried about. Nothing's hard. Just uh, takes a bit of practice and and probably the biggest one is everyone's going to make mistakes. You know, my first brisket was a, was a horrible dry disaster. Um, and I didn't go back to it for about 18 months or two years, but, uh, no, I'm, yeah, just, just learning that sort of thing and just teaching people that, you know, you, you can cook lots. It's easy. Yeah. What do you find that they get the most excited about? Like, is it the brisket or the ribs or the, or beef ribs? What do they get the most, oh. uh, the most excited about? I find people get really excited about pulled pork for some reason. Really? When you get a, when you get a big, nice collar or. A shoulder there, and you you you're ready to go, and then you get your hands on it and just mush it up. They, they draws gar- grasp gasps from the crowd, so they love it. So interesting. I I sort of thought that uh, that pulled pork might have had its day for a while. No, people people love pulled pork. Still love pulled pork. So oh, that's fascinating. I I knew pulled pork had sort of perhaps reached its peak of popularity when Subway started bringing out the pulled pork sandwich. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I did have to laugh at that ad when um, the, the guy's standing there in the yard with a, I, I think it might have been a big green egg in front of him, and his mate comes out and says, what are you doing? He goes, I'm cooking pulled pork. It's going to be ready in five hours. And the guy runs out to go get a sandwich from Subway. And I said to myself, yeah, pulled pork in five hours. I don't think you're doing it right. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, you can. You can do it. You can shorten it right up, but I, I prefer those longer smokes. Yeah, me too. It sort of gives you a more moist, sort of more easily squishable, pullable uh, final product. Yeah, you can you can kind of replicate it in a shorter time, but I just find I prefer those longer cooks. I just I, I think it comes out with a better product in the end. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. All righty, Drew. Now, we were talking about social media before and your sneaky midweek steaks that you uh, like to cook up for lunch there, and they almost always come off your big green egg, which I know you love your big green eggs. So let's get into them. First of all, why do you love the big green egg so much? 
Oh, just they're a great cooker. I'll, I'll have my big green eggs for life. They'll be around forever. Um, very efficient, um, and you can cook anything on a big green egg. You can you can think of it. You can cook it. It's easy. They do seem to be incredibly flexible with with what they can do, and there's a huge range of um, accessories for them as well. Absolutely, there's, there's heaps of different accessories and different setups and what you want to do and indirect and direct cooking and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you can you can cook anything on a big green egg. That that's probably the it's probably one of the few cookers that you can say you can cook pretty much anything you can dream of on it. Now, because the charcoal's so far lower than say a kettle, does that make it easier to cook a brisket? on a big green egg than it does on a kettle? Well, it's a bit more indirect in a in a green egg than on a kettle. A kettle, you've got to be a bit careful if the fire's getting a bit too close to it and so you don't get it a bit too hot. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's good. It's I, I like the way it cooks. It comes out with a nice product in the end and, yeah, easy, easy. They just maintain themselves. They just sit there all day. You don't have to touch them. Why do you think that is? What, sitting there all day? Yeah, yeah. Like how how do they manage to hold that temperature for so long when so many others can't? They're just such an, you know, with that solid ceramic, they're just, just very efficient cookers. Um, you know, I've run I've run mine for about 18 hours in total on um, and it barely moved more than a few degrees Fahrenheit over that time. So. Wow. And did you have to top up the charcoal in that time? No, that was, that was one full load in an XL big green egg. Oh, nice. Wow, that was sitting that was sitting at about two hundred and thirty for the whole time Fahrenheit. Very cool, very cool. So, what's your what's your favourite thing to cook on a big green egg? I love steaks. I really love firing it up, getting it hot, and and doing hot and fast, real quick steaks on it. Four minutes total. That sort of time frame. Oh, so you don't even reverse sear then? You're just a direct grill oh, guy. Oh no, I like a reverse sear, but I I love getting the green egg fired up, put a set of uh, grill grates on there, and and sear off a couple of nice sirloins or, you know, something like that. Just I, I do love a reverse sear, but when you know when I get home after work and I've got a short amount of time, I can I can bang out some steaks pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I I don't doubt that at all. Now, do you pack them up and take them to competitions with you? Uh, no, I don't. I, uh, I've only done a few competitions now, but, uh, no, I don't think I'll take a green egg. They're, they're heavy, heavy little suckers to move around. Yeah. The first time I saw a guy using one at a competition, he actually had, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's one of those big leather, um, like furniture removalists harness type things that sort of comes over the shoulders, like a, almost like a set of overalls and then wraps around the waist at the back and, he had like a clip thing on the front of it and he'd wrap a harness around the big green egg itself and then clip himself to that and, you know, lift with his knees, not with his back. And it, it looked like quite an ordeal to, to move it around. But the food that he was pulling off it, and I mean, as you said, he just lit the fire, put the meat in and walked away and left it. Whereas the, the rest of us were running around, playing with vents, poking the fire, you know, just doing everything to, to maintain that temperature. And he just had a real relaxed afternoon. Absolutely. That, that's that's one of the best things about them. You can just kind of sit and forget and, and off they go. Yeah. Now you've got a real, um, some real giant ones coming in now, don't you? Yeah, we had a, a, one of the, the largest ones you can get, a 2XL come through the other day uh, to one of my customers here in Cairns. So that was, uh, that was exciting. It's an absolute monster grill. What are the dimensions on that? The grill space was, uh, it weighs a couple of hundred kilos. 192 Ooh. kilos. Wow. Um, comes on its own pallet in two sections. 
uh, <laughs> with basically no room to spare. And uh, yeah, the I, I can't think of how wide the grill is on it, but it's it's a big one. It's they're big. You don't see many of them around at all. They're not not a common one. No. So was that guy using it for a commercial application, or did he just have a really big family? No, he's uh, it's just for himself. And believe it or not, he doesn't eat red meat. He only eats seafood and vegetables. That's really? always going to be cooking on it. Yeah, it's private use only. Huh. Well, you guys would have some spectacular seafood up there coming right off the reef. Oh, we have some great seafood up here. Great stuff, fresh. So what's your favourite seafood to put on the grill? I like smoking fish like mackerel, mostly. Um, I just like it simple with seafood. Even just prawns, just done on a couple, a couple of prawns on a skewer and, and off you go, something simple like that. A mackerel's quite a quite an oily fish, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a nice one. It's it's my favorite. There's others that are nice too, but that's that's my go-to. That's that's my favorite one. So, what do you do to sort of to to cut through that that oily flavor? I don't. I just do it with a bit of lemon and salt and pepper, and and just just put it over there and just give it a bit of a low smoke, and it just kind of forms a bit of a a, a thick kind of crust on the outside, and and yum, easy. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, just I, I like things quite simple uh, with my fish because I like to taste the flavour of the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to sort of mask that 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 flavour. No, you want that nice fresh fish flavour and that's uh, that's what I get from mackerel. Mm, beautiful. All right, so hit me with it. What are your top tips and advice for cooking on a big green egg? Well, uh, you, look, you can cook anything on a big green egg, your imagination, you, anything you can imagine. I do bread and I do bacon and eggs and bread and biscuits and desserts and uh, I've got a whole lot of cast iron cookware that I cook through now, uh, which means you can just do anything. It's great to cook outside up here because it's so hot during the summer months. It means we can keep the heat out of the kitchen and, and put it out on the back patio. Um, and being such an efficient cooker, they, they run – they run off not much charcoal at all uh, when you're cooking on them. Sounds great to me. It's interesting yeah, it's that a- you said you've got um, a, a bit of a cast iron collection starting there. I've I've just got a just a simple camp oven that I take out into the bush with me when we go camping, and I I do things like I'll I'll cook a cobbler at at home here in the oven, and the same recipe in the camp oven out in the bush. But because it's done in the cast iron, for some reason, it just tastes so much better. Everything tastes better over charcoal and in and in cast iron. Yeah, no doubt. It's at interesting all. you say cobblers. I uh, I gave one a crack the other day for the first time, and geez, it was good. Oh, isn't it? A lot of butter in those recipes, but geez, it was good. Oh, mate, I I fell in love with uh, blackberry cobbler last time I was in the states. Oh, I might just put that on to do list. I did a pretty standard peach one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it was was yum. Peach really good. is good. I I did a an apple and fireball cobbler there a little while ago. Oh, stop it. That was sensational. Oh, yeah, all right. You better uh, flick me some details on that thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> next time you come down to the Gold Coast, mate, I'll fix you up. Done. <laughs> One thing that I did want to know before you went, I've heard about burping. What What is the burp with the big green egg? Just got to be careful. If you open the egg too quickly, you can get a rush of smoke and hot air come out, and you'll uh, you'll singe your eyebrows. And I've I've done it. It's not pleasant, <laughs> so, uh, and it certainly catches people out when they when I'm in the shop cooking and they go and lift the green egg despite the signs they're saying don't do not open. Uh, they'll lift the egg and get a rush of hot air out of them. But um, yeah, no, just lifting the lid a bit slowly um, to let a bit of air get in there. Um, certainly, it fixes that one up straight away. 
Okay, so the the actual way to burp it is you just crack it like an inch or so, count to ten, and then lift it up. Just crack an inch, so hold a couple of seconds, and then you can open it up after that, just so oh. it doesn't all the hot air and everything doesn't rush out at you straight away. Oh, very straightforward. Yeah, easy, easy. Very nice. Well, all right, man. Let's uh, let's uh, start to wrap this up. I'm going to throw the studio over to you right now. So give some thanks, give some shout outs to whoever you'd like to, uh, to to give them to, and tell everybody how they can track down Cairns Barbecue Company. You can find Cairns Barbecue Company on Facebook and on Instagram. Just look us up, Cairns BBQ Company. Uh, you'll find us on there. Um, and as for shout outs, I've got to give a shout out firstly to my lovely wife Penny. Um, she's supporting, supporting us through this and she's the, uh, the accounts lady and tells me what I can and can't do all the time. Um, and then another shout out to, uh, Travis and Tanya from TV2 Smokers. They've been fantastic. They're, uh, really good support and, and great to bounce ideas off. So it's been, been good to have them around as well. So. Mate, that must get, uh, must get pretty tense there sometimes when you're, when you're working so closely with your wife and one of you's the accounts and the other one's the, the passionate visionary. It it can get a bit interesting at times, but I've uh, she's she's reined me in quite well, and I'm uh, yeah I'm, I'm careful with what I do, so I don't get repercussions when I get home. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all, mate. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming on board the show, and best of luck with Cairns Barbecue Company. Not a problem. Thank you very much, Ben. All righty, folks. There's a huge thanks going out from me right now to Drew from Cairns Barbecue Company for joining us here in the confessional tonight. Drew is clearly a man with a passion for Q and is working hard to grow the scene in his local area. So hit him up on Instagram and Facebook to show them your support. And of course, if you're up in the area, go check him out. You'll know where he is. He's going to be the guy sitting on a chair at the front of his shop, munging on a T-bone steak on a Wednesday and just laughing at all the rest of us running around as we duck out on our lunch breaks to try and grab a quick sandwich and a Coke. And so that's it for today's show. Now, I'm going to leave you with one last thought. If you want to help out the show, it'd be great if you could just tell a friend about it. Or, even better, grab your friend's phone and subscribe them to the show. Trust me, they're going to love you for it. Unless they're not into barbecue, then they'll probably just be upset with you. But more likely, they'll love it. I'm pretty sure. I Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> anyway, until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.